Welcome to Depollution, the podcast from Salvage Wire. In this podcast, we interview interesting and inspiring leaders to discuss issues that are facing the vehicle salvage and the vehicle recycling industries, along with other leaders who can challenge and inspire the whole industry. In today's podcast, we welcome Craig van Battenberg, owner of Auto Careers Development Centre and Fixed Hybrid, based in Worcester, Massachusetts. Craig has been at the forefront of electric and hybrid vehicle research, training and repairs. He has a wealth of stories, experience and knowledge to draw on. Let's get straight into my conversation with Craig. Craig, thank you so much for being agreeing to be part of the podcast. Just as a bit of introduction, can you tell me a little bit about your career, who, who you've worked for and what your current role in business is? Yeah, well, I'm 69 years old, so I have a long career. I won't go into all of it. <laughs> but in high school, in the 60s, I needed a job. So I was pumping gas at a gas station, bought a Honda motorcycle when they were kind of new back then, a 305 Scrambler, if anybody cares. And then uh, I blew the engine up and blew up the transmission. That was a young savage. Had it fixed in the local shop and couldn't afford to pay the bill. So the guy hired me for the entire summer to sweep the floor and do dumb stuff on 17, fixed my motorcycle. He made it, actually made a race bike out of it. He liked me, so he hired me. So in high school and out of high school, I was a Honda motorcycle technician in the summer. And in the winter, I either worked for Toyota, Volkswagen, or Datsun. But two winters, I saved enough money to get an old 59 Volkswagen bus with my girlfriend and go to Arizona where it's warm <laughs> and goof off. And then at the ripe old age of 26, I had this great idea of becoming a millionaire and opening a repair shop. I'm still working on that million dollars. But I opened the shop, I'm 26. For 26 years, I ran it. And in the process, we started a second business called ACDC 20 years ago, 21 years ago. The same year, 1999, that the Honda Insight came out. I'm Honda, well, I'm a Honda fan, always have been. I worked on them for a living. That's how I made my independent living. So I bought the Insight, the ugliest car ever made, for way too much money. But I get great fuel economy, and I'm an environmentalist. For many reasons, I care about the environment. So the car kind of fit my political views, it fit my religious beliefs, and it fit my bank account. So I bought it. I still drive it. It actually has had one battery pack replacement. It still runs fine. So that's the short version. And, and now you're running fixed hybrid, ACDC, and right. you you are there training technicians well, you know, in the future? I, I mean, I'm the owner, but quite often I just tell people I work at ACDC because we have seven employees. We all work very closely together. We have an internship program. In fact, on Wednesday, Jesse, who's from Alaska, is flying in on Alaska Airlines from Anchorage to spend two and a half months with us as an intern where we provide housing, we provide everything. I'm really happy to have him come. We have three Dutch interns stuck over in the Netherlands right now, where it's not legal to fly to the United States on a vacation visa, because we do not have COVID under control. As you know, our country has a, the largest number of cases and deaths worldwide. We like to be number one. That's not the right thing to be number one in, <laughs> but we are. <laughs> At any rate, so I'm the CEO, but my, really my job function besides running a business and motivating the personnel, which I think I'm good at, I love technology. So we just bought a, uh, a Kia Nero EV, brand new. And that hasn't even been on the lift yet. We just got that. So we'll take me and some other people, we'll take some time to really get into that car, understand it, scan it, take it apart, and get to be what we consider to be well-trained. 
I don't like the word expert, but I call myself a specialist. No one's an expert. You're just always learning. But I specialize on electric and hybrid cars. That's all I do, full time. We're also in the middle of writing a college textbook, which is really demanding that I even understand more theory than I ever cared about. Because some college textbooks are going to teach you stuff that will never help you fix the car, ever. And my background is a technician, so I like to zero in on how can we fix the car? That's all I care about. But part of, I've been asked by many colleges worldwide to get themselves a college textbook and support material from what we're doing. Because it's different than the other textbooks. Not that they're bad, they're just different. They're very cerebral. And our textbook is almost a novel story, along with learning. So that's taking up some of my time. Amazing, amazing. And you've been an advocate for electric and hybrid vehicles for years and years and years. What was that? Yeah. What was that sort of initial spark, that initial initial fueling of that passion? I don't know, but I, I'm making a guess. I grew up in Utah. It's a gorgeous place. And I spent from 1950 to 1962. And at that point, the skies were nice and clear. If anybody's ever been over the Rocky Mountains in Salt Lake City Valley, it's an unusual place. My parents got divorced, so I moved back to Worcester, Massachusetts, where I am now. My mother lived here. My mother grew up here. But I loved my father, so I kept raising enough money to fly back to Ogden, Utah, on a regular basis. Every time I flew over the Rocky Mountains from Denver and started to land, starting in 1963, it got darker and cloudier, and it was smog. It was more smog in Salt Lake City than it was L.A. because of the way the wind goes over the mountains and traps everything. It became clear to me that we have a real problem. That, that, I'm a teenager. Then I started working for a Honda, and if you remember the Honda gas tank back in the 60s, it said three things. Wear a helmet, preserve nature, think safety. Mm -hmm. I saw that on every motorcycle tank I ever worked on. Preserve nature, preserve nature. This came from Mr. Honda. Then I think what really sparked it, the, to get to the point of how I'm going to accept this, 1972, I'm at Lundgren Honda working on motorcycles. And Mr. Lundgren walks over, it's the fall, it's September. He said, Craig, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is I'm not going to lay you off this year because we're selling the Honda Civic. It's just coming to America as a 73 model year. And because you work for Toyota every time I laid you off and you also worked on Volkswagens, you're the only motorcycle mechanic we have that's worked on cars. That was bad news. I don't like cars. I like motorcycles. They're much more fun to work on. Then he said, I said, then he said I'm going to send you to Cherry Hill, New Jersey for a week the very first Honda school there is. The building wasn't built yet, we met in a hotel. And I didn't know this until lately. Every Honda franchise in the United States that was automobiles was first offered to motorcycle shops. It was a bad idea. Every single technician was 25 years old or younger. I was 22 or 21. We were all hippies, long hair, bell bottoms, and, and we you know, were the radicals. They were riding motorcycles, so what would you expect? There's 12 of us. And the teacher comes in in a suit coat and a tie into a hotel I'm not that comfortable in because I grew up in the projects. I'm a street kid. And the first four hours of the one week was a carousel projector with a little slide. Yeah. Remember those? Yeah, I remember those. On, and we, so, and I, it was fascinating because I like chemistry. I like history. I like science in high school. I did well in high school. I didn't go to college until I was in my 30s. The first four hours of class had nothing to do with Honda Civic or the Honda Company at all. It was a class about pollution. EPA was created in 1972 as, as a law. It started functioning in 1972. 
they had regulations that in 1975, everyone has to have a catalytic converter, which means unleaded fuel. This was a big deal. And Honda was smart enough to make their CVCC engine, compound vortex controlled combustion engine, cylinder head, to not require leaded, unleaded fuel. They kept going for five more years, not that lead is good. Anyway, the first four hours was about carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide, nitrates of oxygen, hydrocarbons, and nitrogen, the five gas analyzer, if you had a five gas. And I was hooked. Honda said to me, oil is bad, cars are evil, we're all going to die. We're going to die from carbon monoxide. Well, guess what we turned it into? Carbon dioxide. Now, cars are evil, oil is bad because of carbon dioxide, which we turned everything into. You have a car that's running poorly and you make more carbon dioxide, it gets running better and better and better. And I, and I, so I was totally hooked until I realized that what I'm doing is still going to kill everybody yeah. because of climate change. So I've always, I was, first of all, probably because of my upbringing in Utah, it's beautiful. Seeing that little gas tank emblem, going to Honda school is probably that, that October of 1972 is when the light bulb went off. I was also old enough to understand a little bit more about the world. It wasn't just about Craig. Although it probably was just about Craig back then, sort of. But I realized there's a bigger calling here. And I, I don't feel any different now. Hmm. I feel the same way. Hmm. Probably, probably even more so. I still annoy people with my climate change conversation. <laughs> I don't care if I do at this point. That's it. <laughs> now, you know, you, I mean, you've been running ACDC for 21 years now. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and we've seen in that period of time, we've seen the Prius, we've seen the various Hondas, uh, you know, and quite a lot of other electric and hybrid vehicles come and go. But what's the biggest reason? What do you think the biggest reason is why vehicle owners and drivers are not running more of these vehicles? Well, in the United States right now, gasoline is two bucks a gallon. That's one reason. Two dollars a gallon. Yeah. That's like 45 cents a liter, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. My math is right. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are slow to change no matter what it is. And a car is a big, big investment. I mean, we change our phones, we change our laptops. You know, laptops are expensive, a nice one's 1500 bucks here. I have a new one. Hmm. And about changing cars, it also, we're, we're a car culture. Yeah. I think in, I've been to England a couple of times, but we certainly are. Long distance travel, the fins in the 50s, the glamor, the Hollywood movies. I mean, think about the music, and the culture and go back to the 50s and 60s, even Elvis Presley. Mm. You can relate almost every movie star to a certain car, Jimmy Dean, all that stuff. So, and I grew up, I mean, my father was this bigger than life, used car so with a handlebar mustache, driving a 1957, he liked, he was a Ford guy. Back in the 50s, you were the Ford guy, a Chevy guy, a Chrysler guy, or a communist. Those were your only three possibilities. No offense to England, but you know, we know what to try but like it was cool, but it leaked a lot of oil. I better, I better not say anything else. You guys won't like it. So but, I, started, you know, I started my working life on those vehicles. I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. So, so it, we're a car culture, and it's hard to think of Harley Davidsons. I mean, that's an American motorcycle. If you get one with mufflers, there's something wrong with you. The first thing you do is take the mufflers off, annoy, be obnoxious to your neighbors, which I have a buddy. I ride Hondas, okay? I have bumpers on my motorcycles. But right now, I'm driving a Vitrix, which is all electric. Yeah. It's really quiet. Yeah. It's cultural. It slowly happens. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I think it's just being one of the guys. Yeah. Can't do it. Can't yeah. drive a Prius. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've trained 
thousands of technicians over the years. And obviously, you must be very proud of the impact you've had on the industry. And you're obviously, you're not slowing down at all. What's what's next on the horizon for Craig? What are you doing next? Well, <laughs> well, I need to get this college textbook done. I have, I have pre-sold them. It's due in December. Mm-hmm. The next nine weeks, actually, um, we have six staffers. My wife, Deborah, that you know, is going to semi-retirement. Well, named David Osborne, who's an Iraqi vet, we hired about about a year ago. He's taking over running the daily operations. So I'll be actually getting up in the morning, heading over to our training center, where no one's going to be because I can't train there, and just keep writing this book. And then David will be running the, you know, we're still selling webinars. I did a whole series. I'm still in the middle of doing a series of OEM webinars. In fact, tomorrow, interestingly enough, I'm doing Citroën, Renault, and Peugeot, which, you know, are not sold here. So we have live webinars for Europe. We do a lot of work with Australia. All the countries are still busy with us. And, you know, we fit, we had a couple of used cars. We fixed them up and sold them. I even had an old boat. I finally found a buyer. The two days the boat person's happy. The day you buy it and the day you sell it. <laughs> right? So, so, and we had a lot of money. So we're okay financially. So taking nine weeks off from running the business, I'll be available, obviously. So I need to get the book done. That's one thing. When that's done, there's support material. But where ACDC is heading and where I'm heading is simple. You know, I'll be 70 in December, so that's retirement age. But if you own your own business and you like your job and your health is good, you don't retire. Nobody does that I know of. And I've had people offer to buy this company, but I know the companies want to buy it. It's going to ruin it. They'll destroy it instantly, so that's not going to happen. The employees know they should own it someday, mm-hmm. and so they're thinking about it. And it would be gifted, not like totally, but I have a good friend who grew up in Iran. And he's, he was a fighter pilot for the Iranian Air Force back in 72 when we were getting wrong with Iran. His name is Mohammed Sami. He runs a place out in Indiana, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I've had a chance to visit with him. He's a motor rebuilder. And he did alternators and starters. And so he taught me a lot about electric motors I didn't know a long time ago. But the Iranian culture is that you gift your business to your employees. You don't sell it or a family. And most Americans are all about the money. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's never been about the money, which is why I'm not a millionaire, but we do fine because I, I watch the books. I mean, I, I know how to run a business. I've been doing it for over 40 years. But I think what will happen is the company will be taken over by the employees. They won't need any money. They need, they need to have sweat equity. Mm-hmm. And I'll be the majority owner until I die. I'll be 51% to corporations. So I can say, no, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I've got another 10 years in me. Who knows? I'll be 80. That's kind of old, but for some people, it's not. Uh, the company needs to continue. It's too important a company to let it fail. And for me, personally, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Travel a little bit less, probably. Our training facilities get, you've been there. We, we're doing some renovations. It's getting bigger. Putting another bay on the backs. We have three bays. Keep it very small, limited to 10 people, so you can really learn something. The, the, the formula we have works. People like it. So I don't see any major changes. For me, I'll just keep working. My wife and I like to go on vacation. So when we can, we'll take a vacation someday. Brilliant. Now, uh, and technology. Technology is moving so fast. Yeah. And, the, and the stuff that's coming down the line, um, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's just, just keeping on keeping on going. And how do you see the repair industry adapting and changing in the future to meet those forthcoming oh. challenges and, and changes? Yeah. I think it depends on what part of the world you live in. If you live in a world where licensing is required, and I'm thinking of the Netherlands, or I spent a lot of time in the hall, in Holland, in the Netherlands, they're doing fine. The government invests heavily into their vocational, high school, and college. 
In education, there is more than, no more than $1,000 a year, including books and transportation. It's affordable. They send trainers here, I go over there. To me, they're like the, the model that I know of. There may be a country that does a better job, I don't know. It's the model that I look at says, this works pretty well. Your country has IMI, I believe, that is required to do training. I've been in touch with them. They seem like a really good outfit to get some safety training and some training. We don't have any regulations here to speak of. I just make it up as I go along. I mean, there's really like, do whatever you want. Like, one of the great things about America, you can start a business. You don't need to know anything. You don't need a license. You start a business. Most of you out of business. I think the average business lasts three years. Yeah. And the guy goes bankrupt. But at any rate, it's an interesting country to be part of. So, uh, so I think, you know, the other thing I don't believe is the technology is, yes, it seems to be advancing quickly, but I look at it differently. It's just more computers and more sensors. We've had computers and sensors for 40 years. So if, whether you're talking about ADAS, whether you're talking about electric cars, no matter what you're talking about, I don't see it as like monumental change. I see it as you better be really good with scopes. And by the way, you're, you guys make Pico scopes. I love that scope. That is like the industry standard here in America. It's an awesome scope and great tech support. So that's my favorite. No offense to Fluke, which is an American scope. I used them for years. Hmm. So if you understand basic electricity and you don't let it get, don't let it get boggle your mind, keep it simple as long as you can. What I think does need to happen is an independent shop needs to do a complete history of that car before they agree to work on it. Hmm. It's got a salvage title. It's been in the ocean. Forget it. Be cheaper to buy it, throw it away, than try to fix it. Some cars could not be fixed because too many people had their fingers in it. It's been screwed up terribly, the wrong computers in there, and you don't know this. So when I ran my repair shop, it was $75 to apply to be a, a, a customer. It was a waiting list. You came in, you had a 45-minute appointment with me. I charged you 75 bucks. We did a complete intake. We drove the car around the block. We put on the lift. We looked for, we have a lot of rust here. And if anything didn't pan out during that 40, I refunded all your money. Here's your money back. We're not working on your car. Or the customer could be so difficult, I wouldn't tell them this, we're not working on your car. So we were very selective. Of course, we had the, the building had to be paid for. So in 91, we owned all the property, the building, and the equipment. I could be an arrogant SOB at that point if I wanted to, and I kind of am, when things aren't going my way. I'm the boss, I'm the professional, I own the business. It needs to be run on my terms. We started closing for lunch from 12 to 1. On the advice of a shop owner that I met in Las Vegas at a big industry event when I was complaining about being interrupted in my lunch. And he says, who owns the business? You were the customer. It got me. I was 41 years old. I remember that. I remember, I remember distinctly exactly what he said. And then he had his, his secretary, right? Because one of the fax machines faxed me two pages, which we put up on our website. We changed a bit. The one page was what ACDC, well, in that case, what Van Batten's Rush Inc. will do for you. That was on our website. The other one is what we expect from our customers. And we, once I realized that that was the key, that was the key to fixing cars properly, to make sure your customers understood, don't bring me a piece of junk. That even today, I, I do a lot of, I used to do management training. I was a management trainer from 96 to 99 before I did technical. And when I'm doing technical, I'm always throwing management tips. All the time, just hit me. I'll just think about it. Must have a little ADD, I guess. If it hits me, I just talk about it, right? Unless it's like religion and politics, we try to stay away from. That gets a little dicey these days. And you know me as well, Andy. So <laughs> he's, Andy's taking class with me, so he knows what I'm talking about. 
<laughs> anyway, so what I'll tell the people is this. When, tell your customer what you say is, before you bring your car in, please prepare it for service. Hmm. No one's ever been told this. And always, what do you mean? I want the original key you normally started with. I want you to clean the car out of everything except your personal belongings. Take all your personal belongings out of there, right? And then, of course, in the old days, there was the kill switch. That's gone. I want at least a half a tank of fuel in there unless it's, you have a fuel leak. Hmm. Electric car, of course, would be different. But you can get customers, and they will, they will help you if you ask them. And, and also another legitimate question is, did you have it, was it broken out? It was it repaired somewhere else since the last time I saw you. Because if it went somewhere else and you know that cost, that garage is not very good, you want to go back and check their work just as a courtesy to the customer. And you're going to wonder why are they bouncing around town? Why are they going everywhere? Yeah. Now, this may be too much for your podcast. You may want to edit this. I don't know. Mm. But we were next to a big teaching hospital. Half my customers were physicians because we're right next door. When women would come in who were physicians and they were bouncing all around town because they love the coupons, they're going like everywhere to save $5. I say to them, I mean, look right at the state, I say, how many gynecologists do you have? And they go, what? I said, I just asked you a question. You probably have one gynecologist. Why don't you have one automotive technician to take care of your car? And then we'll know everything that ever happened to it. Even if it gets a flat tire, let me know. And that worked really well. They said, you know what, that makes sense. So the industry is, I think we shoot ourselves in the foot a lot by not demanding more of our customers and of ourselves. But to get back to your original question, how do we keep up with technology? You keep up with technology. That's how you do it. You specialize on a few things. Why are you working on everything? Why? Now, if you're in London, you can take three or four cars and and if you're way out in the middle of nowhere, yeah. and there's out in the middle of nowhere, go up north of England and in your little country village, you're probably going to work on everything. You know, and also, I want to define what a country village is. A country village in England is some place where there's no dealerships within 20 kilometers. Yep. If there's no dealership within 20 kilometers, why do you think you can have a business there? They don't have enough people to support buying a car that's sold in your country, and you think you can open a little shop, you're going to starve to death. It won't pay you anything. Got to work on all this crap. Move. <laughs> Go to a city where they have cars. <laughs> that's, my, that's my humble opinion. <laughs> my, we don't do ourselves any service at all as independent shop owners by running a business that doesn't make sense. One more thing I want to say. The most abusive thing you can do to your employees is run your business in the red. I'd rather smack the guy in the face and give him a raise than treat him really well and can't give him a raise because I don't know how to run a business and I can't make any money. Completely agree. Absolutely agree. That's my story. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. We will come back to our conversation with Craig in a moment. As the global vehicle recycling industry faces the new post-lockdown normal, Salvage Wire and Salvage Insights are hosting a webinar to support vehicle recyclers as they explore what changes the industry could embrace to its benefit. As a business owner or leader, you are probably comfortable solving problems or making decisions. But the last few months have seen unprecedented challenges and changes to our way of life, our economy and how we work. Now is the time to think about the new challenges you face and work through the opportunities available to you to take your company to the next level. The good news is that Salvage Insight can help you identify and explore the strategic options open to you. The opportunities you could exploit in setting out a new and exciting future for your business. 
Salvage Insight are hosting two free one-hour webinars on Wednesday the 24th of June and it is repeated on Tuesday the 30th of June. For more details and information, please contact SalvageWire through our website www.salvagewire.com Back to our conversation with Craig. Now as part of ACDC and the part of what you do, you've got a qualified shop program. So so yes. what does this do and, and how do repair shops get involved with that? So, so we get one QSP shop, I think in Ireland right now. I have to go look at my map. So you go to you can go to hybrid shop locator, hybridshoplocator.com, CLN. That's our that's a separate website from ours. And it'll list that we have a shop in Malaysia, we've got one in Australia, we just opened up. These are not franchises. These are people that do training with us, a very high bar. You've got to train with us, pass a test, and have the right equipment. You have to have someone else for tech support other than me. It's a very small business. Once you meet that high bar and you get in, you pay me a dollar a day. It's almost free. You pay me a US dollar a day for tech support. If you can, well, I, that's what I part that I love. I'll give you an example of last Friday. You, you're listed on the map, which drives business to you. And you used to get five hours of training a year online. Now we've upped it to 20 this year because of the pandemic. So 20 hours of training online for your techs to stay up to date. We're listed on our website, which gives you customers and tech support. So last Friday, I got a phone call from a fellow with a RAV4, a good shop in Michigan. A RAV4 hybrid came out 2016. Mm -hmm. And the AC system wasn't working properly. Calls me up for help because he was confused. He said the inverter temperature uh, on my scan tool showed that the inverter temperature is fine, yet I'm getting a temperature, getting an overheating code on my compressor, and then it turns itself off. It was a simple textbook call. I said, the inverter you're looking at is the wrong inverter. You're looking at the inverter, he's thinking old Prius, because he's a Toyota guy. Hmm. The older Prius had the inverter built into a box that was liquid cooled. The RAV4 has the inverter built in the compressor, and it's cooled by the refrigerator. Yeah. And so I have don't have a RAV4, but I have a fairly new Toyota with it, the same compressor. So I said, hold on. I got in the car, went into our training center, got out my text stream, which is Toyota scan tool here, and started scanning my car, which was a known good car. There is no temp sensor. We even had another compressor. We took it all apart. We desoldered the circuit board all within an hour and a half. This last Friday. To look for a temp sensor that doesn't exist, the inverter is not even listed in the pin, but you know what they're doing. They're calculating this. They're looking at current, IAT, ECT, and pressure, and they're calculating that it must be overheating. Mm -hmm. give, Toyota's giving you an overheating code for something that doesn't have a temp sensor, which I've seen before. Honda's on their IMA motor can do the same exact thing. They estimate temperature of their motor on their IMA hybrid system. Mm. So that was helpful to him. But he called everybody else and nobody knew. So what we'll do is we'll go much deeper than your scan tool. We'll go much deeper than your OEM by owning 15 or 16 different cars. Yeah. You've been there. And then we have all the components. And we recently, well, a couple of years ago, bought a really good uh, soldering uh, equipment that can desolder, uh, um, solder, you can take circuit boards apart mm -hmm. without damaging them. Because mm -hmm. sometimes we want to get down to that level. Yeah. Now, is that my background? Absolutely not. But I'm smart enough to know talent when I see it. So I've hired some really smart people that work for me that make me look much smarter than I really am, which is lovely. <laughs> so. Amazing. Amazing. And, it, and it's stories like that. Was certainly when I was doing the training with you and the stories and the case studies that uh, 
yeah. that we were going through on a daily basis were amazing. And I think you were the one who was taking the the hybrid transmission apart from the new Accord. Right. Yeah. And then you show me a clutch that's not even listed on their in their information, yeah. which, by the way, I think was somewhere else. I didn't even know what I was looking at. Yeah, yeah but it's, and I think every Texan in the world would know. They say, they say I want to learn hands-on, hands-on. Hmm. You can learn hands-on once you have a basic education on electricity. You can't learn hands-on if you don't understand the theory, yeah. which gets back to our college. But you have to accept some theory, and you have to be good with oscilloscopes, mm -hmm. scan tools, electrical, and, 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 and breathe this stuff. Yeah. And I'm colorblind. I'm red, green, colorblind. So for me, to learn electricity was hard. I needed a seeing eye dog because the colors don't match up in my brain. So I've had, I've struggled with this. Yeah. Uh, not now, but I did in the beginning and I was too embarrassed to tell anybody. So I worked for 10 years without knowing what red and green was. And in a Honda motorcycle, red is power and green is rattled. So you put those two wires together, that has a bad ending. Sparks and- <laughs> It doesn't work well. It doesn't work Not really. <laughs> no, it never did. <laughs> oh, amazing, amazing. Now, one of the things I love about, about you and, and, and Deb is that for years you've given back uh, and you've given back, you know, very much through Fat Cats, your Fat Cat program. So can you explain, can you explain yeah. more about Fat Cats and, and, and how people get yeah. involved? First of all, I think everybody would give if they had something to give. And sometimes you don't realize that you got something. To do, what you can give is your talent and your time. I had the talent, the time, and the money. So that was all free, right? And also the personal story, of course. And it's on. We have a brand new website. We literally on Friday. Fatcats.org has its own website now, F-A-A-T-C-A-T-S.org. It was always part of our website, which I never liked. And I have a new employee, Kina. So Kina is an electrical engineering student at Worcester Polytechnical Institute. She's wicked smart, as we say in Boston, wicked smart. <laughs> and because she's wicked smart and we're slow, I said, just, redesign, just do a website for us. So we launched it on Friday. It's a standalone website, and it tells you our story. In fact, I was in touch with both of my sons, Michael and Will, over the last couple of days. And they're the two boys we adopted. I said, would you do me a favor, with the help of your mother, write your own personal story about your adoption experience in our family. We're going to post that up there when it's done. Uh, but yeah, Fat Cats stands for Foster Adopted and Abandoned Teenagers. And Cats is Can Attain Transformation Successfully. It's a goal. It's a destination. The destination is to, to work with boys primarily. Not that we don't like girls. But boys have a harder time getting adopted because by the time you're 13 or 14, you're big, you're angry, and nobody wants to adopt you because they're afraid and they don't want to get adopted. I know that from personal experience adopting my son, William. He got adopted at 17. So yeah, we raise money, about 15,000 bucks a year. We send boys in Rhode Island to camp for a family reunion with their siblings so that the parents have disappeared either through death or through abandonment or through imprisonment. We have a lot of people in prison here. Probably shouldn't be, but that's a whole other story. And let me start on Black Lives Matter right now, because right now what's going on in this country is driving me completely nuts. And I sent an email out, you might have gotten it on Saturday, that as a CEO of a company, you're never supposed to do, ever. My personal story about dealing with black people, being raised by a racist father in Utah, and it had a link to Black Lives Matter, a link to Fat Cast, because there's a connection between foster kids and what's going on right now with black people. There's a disproportionate amount. And I finally just had enough of it. <laughs> so I did something you're never supposed to do. I'm probably going to lose 20% of my business overnight. And quite frankly, I probably could care less. Because yeah. uh, if that's the person you are, just like if you had a crappy car in my garage and I want to work on your car, 
if you're a racist, don't come to ACDC because I don't want to be with you. <laughs> and you get to do that when you get old and, and, and you don't have any mortgage. You get to be who you want to be. Indeed. When you're Indeed. young, you got to suck it up and do what yeah. you got to do to pay the bills and send your kids to school. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, so and, we get to do it. It's, it's, it's really, we're happy to do it. Yeah. Uh, no, and I'm I'm really yeah I'm I'm really proud of, of of what you've what you've been able to achieve over the years as well. You've done well. Let me tell you something else too that you probably wouldn't know. I don't remember the fellow's name. So we had a raffle uh, last year to win up your voltage, which is our five day class, mm. a seven day class, and it's worth like with all with everything, it's probably worth like seven thousand dollars because we also gave you a week's vacation and our summer place in the mountains with it. The fellow who won is English. He lives in the island of Jersey. Is that yes. a little island? Yeah, yeah, Channel Islands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He lives down there, and he's been donating to Fat Cats forever. Mm-hmm. He's an Englishman. I think it, I thought this was the, we're the richest country in the world. So, and also one more thing, just so your your viewers or your listeners know, we don't even adopt our own kids anymore. We're shipping our children to Canada to be adopted by another country. So, I mean, like it's almost like shame on us. Mm. And, and, and so that's it, 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 when it gets into your into your and it always happens with personal experience. I have friends who have cancer, and so there's a whole big fundraising thing we do with cancer. But they're leading it. I just participate. I'm sure if you have a personal story of something that that bothers you, and you have the some way of getting people to help you, you'll do it. Yeah, it's a human nature. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. You've probably already mentioned this, or yeah, to a certain extent um, answered this. But if there's one thing that the U.S. government could do differently. That would have the biggest benefit to your business. What would that one thing be? One thing. Well, I have six things, but I'll give you the what's number one. Number one is licensing. Absolutely, the number one. Now you can't get that without five other things. Mm-hmm. But number one, if we can get technicians licensed, I mean, I I have a bald head. I have to go to a licensed beautician. What? A licensed beautician? We used to call him a barber, right? <laughs> I mean, we have we have licensed plumbers because we had steam. We probably you guys probably invented it for us. Yeah. Uh, steam boilers back in 1820 or whenever the heck that happened. So we had steam fitters who got licensed because if the pipe broke, you scald yourself. We had uh, licensed electricians because you yep. burned your house down. Yep. We had the old the house I'm in right now is 1890. So if you go in the attic, it's old, yep. and you can see the old wiring, which was exposed wires 12 inches apart yep. on little insulated pieces. So what happens when a squirrel gets in there? I don't know. Your house burns down. So if if an electric car is not dangerous, I don't know what is. <laughs> what is? Why can you keep yourself with 800 volts? It's so damn fast you're gonna run off the road. Yeah. So I don't know. You're ahead of us there. Yeah. 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 And every yeah. company that's licensing, everybody complains about it. Yeah. Every country I go to, they hate it. Yeah. We don't have it. Anybody that can fog a mirror has a pulse. Shows up in a shop with a red toolbox they bought at Sears, and says, "I can fix a car." Can get an employment today. <laughs> scary. It is. It is very scary. Yeah. Very it's nuts. scary. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another one. You have to be licensed here to work on air conditioning systems because of the refrigerator. The test is done online. No ID. You print your own certificate. You can go into any used any uh, parts store and buy one pound of refrigerant without a license, mm-hmm. R12, and keep pumping it into the atmosphere because you got a big old leak on the front side of your compressor. Legal. I get European texts from over here, they go nuts when they see this. 
they go through a lot of, of licensing to work on AC. They do. It's do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, incredible. <laughs> absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. And one one final question: We ask this of everyone on the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was your first car, and do you have any special memories of that car? Well, my first car. I'm going to paraphrase it by saying the one I paid with my own money, because we lived in the projects and we had didn't have a car. So my grandfather loaned us the 56 Buick, uh, but I wasn't old enough to drive, so that wasn't my first car. Uh, my father had all kinds of cool cars, but it wasn't my first car. My first car was a 1961 black two-door, three-speed Ford Falcon. And I bought it for 50 bucks. And I bought it, it was only six years old. The reason why it was only 50 bucks, had a lot of miles on it. And I grew up with the projects and there was this one street I could walk to to a lake. And as I walked down the lake, there was a single family house, little chain link fence sitting in the back and it was on jack stands or on actually cinder blocks on bricks and all the wheels were off. So I kept walking by and I finally asked the lady who lived in the house, what's going on with the car? So my husband took it apart, can't figure out how to put the brakes back together. We all learned you never do drum brakes both at the same time. You look at the other side and know where the spring goes. So, and I'm taking automotive, I'm like, 15, I didn't, wasn't old enough to drive. I think it was 15 or 16. So I talked to my uh, automotive instructor. Um, it's just me. Been a long time ago. So I paid 50 bucks for it. I went down to the backyard for weeks, it seemed like, trying to get the brakes back together, get it jacked up off the jack stands. We illegally drove it home, which was only two blocks anyway. And then I got a job pumping a gas to the gas station. My memory was buying a Hearst shifter. So it was three speed on the column. Mm-hmm. And I saved up my money, probably like 20 bucks, which would have been a fortune. And I ordered a Hearst shifter that goes like, you know, you, you put a hole down on the wall. And, it, and so when I put it up on the lift, I get for all the lift at the gas station. I was, I was just pumping gas. And I put it up there. I had no idea how to put the shift linkage on. So I put the shift linkage on so it shifted backwards. So, <laughs> so I had to take a note and tape a piece of paper on the dashboard because I think if you went up, and of course, we're on the other side of the, yeah. we sit on the other side of the car. Yeah. If you went up and went forward, I think you're supposed to go forward, you go backwards. So if anybody got in this car, whoever drove a stick shift, they put it in gear and then back up and hit something. So, so it was a problem. That was my first car. <laughs> I love it. What a wonderful, wonderful story. Yeah. That is amazing. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Craig. You can tire for 50 bucks. Oh, it's amazing. Craig, thank you so much for your time. Thank yeah, you for absolutely. talking to us. Um, I'm sure everybody, when they when they listen to this, is going to enjoy it. And, yeah. uh, and, and they're going to learn thing things. I want to add, if you go to my website, fixhybrid, fixhybrid.com, a new website's going up probably within this week. We've been working on that since the pandemic started. There's a lot of free training there. Mm-hmm. There'll be a search feature. So if you just go to fixhybrid.com and search for anything, you'll find links we put up a lot of stuff that is absolutely free. So if you don't have any money at all and you want to get started by learning something, there's a lot of complimentary training. Brilliant. That's fantastic. And we'll make certain that, that all the details of both Fixed yeah. Hybrid and Fat Cats are all in the in the show notes as well. Okay. So you can read that and link on it. But Craig, thank you so much. Really, right. really appreciate Good to that. See that was amazing. A big, big thank you to Craig for his time, knowledge and experience. You will find details on how to contact Fix Hybrid in the show notes. Please don't forget to take the time to like and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and give us a five-star rating. Depollution podcasts are released every Tuesday.